This is Dr. Don Russell. I'm a board-certified general OBGYN with over 20 years of practice experience. SheSpace is a place where I can share my experience, recommendations, and knowledge, some would say opinion, on women's health ranging from general health to menopause to pregnancy and everything in between. Today's topic is fibroids. So I want to talk about fibroids because there's a lot of misinformation out there regarding what fibroids do, what they are, and what the consequences of having them can be. So first of all, let's talk about what exactly a fibroid is. So a fibroid is a muscular tumor in the uterus. Now technically, fibroids can actually be other places too. Fibroids can actually grow on the ovary, but most women who experience fibroids are going to have them in the uterus. Now remember, the uterus is a muscular structure. So these tumors that grow are part of the uterus and they are benign. And that means that they don't carry any potential to be a cancer. There are other types of growths that do carry potential for cancer in the uterus, but these are a minority of what we find when we are looking at the uterus by ultrasound. It's important to realize when we talk about fibroids that up to 70% of women will have them. I can tell you I have a fibroid. I named him Henry. And we'll get to how that was found in just a little bit. But because it is such a common condition, it's important that people don't consider it a necessarily negative finding, but simply a finding that can be part of your body. The anatomy is very important about where fibroids live. So sometimes it's hard to picture exactly what the uterus looks like. But in simple terms, if you can picture the uterus as a thick-walled muscle that forms kind of a balloon-like structure. And fibroids can live anywhere within that thick-walled structure. So if a fibroid lives kind of towards the outside, then those fibroids don't usually cause a lot of problems because they really aren't part of the bleeding pattern for women. Some fibroids live within the wall of that muscle and again, depending on how big they are, won't necessarily cause a problem by themselves. The ones that more often cause problems for us, and by problems I mean bleeding, are the ones that come right up against the lining of the uterus because these can cause some increased bleeding with period or even outside of periods. As a whole, fibroids can cause two basic sets of problems. One, if they grow large enough, they can press on other anatomical structures like bladder or bowel or even kind of your back muscles. Those have to be pretty big though, and that's not the more common effect of fibroids. More commonly, the type of thing that brings these to attention is that they can cause some increased bleeding in some women either during their period or at times in between their period or even all the time. Now, given that so many women have these fibroids, you might wonder, well, then what do we do or how do we watch? We expect fibroids to grow at least by a small amount in a woman's lifetime up until menopause. At menopause, because the lack of hormonal effect 
fibroids usually stop growing. So we don't really have to worry about this finding if it's not causing a problem in women who are after the menopause. Even in when, women who are before menopause, again, this is not a problem to find if it itself is not causing a problem. So how do we know about if it's causing a problem or how do we even find these? Many times these are found by ultrasound either because we're evaluating a woman who might have symptoms of either feeling a growth in her lower abdomen or having increased bleedings. The most common and best way for us to evaluate fibroids is by ultrasound. Ultrasound is a basically non-invasive technique of being able to visualize the uterus and any fibroids that might exist in the uterus. Sometimes we find fibroids just as an incidental finding because we were looking at something else. It's not uncommon for a woman to come into me because she was having a CT or an MRI for another reason in her abdomen because of pain or other things going on. And by happenstance, they see some fibroids in the uterus and she comes to me to discuss these. When we find fibroids by happenstance while looking for something else, and a woman doesn't have complaints of increased menstrual bleeding or bleeding in between her periods, we can reassure her that these are not an issue and this is just something that is part of her body. If more specifically we were actually looking for a reason that a woman might be having increased bleeding and we find these types of fibroids that we suspect might actually be pushing on the lining of the uterus and causing increased bleeding, that's when we need to talk about treatments. Now, whether we have the finding of fibroids or we don't have the finding of fibroids and a woman is just complaining of increased bleeding, we still recommend medical treatment to try to decrease bleeding first. So one of the first things we talk about using is things like ibuprofen or Aleve. And the reason for that is because they are prostaglandin inhibitors and prostaglandins have to do with the amount of bleeding that we have during our cycle. So using these medications, if you don't have a contraindication, on a safe schedule during your period can decrease bleeding for many women, including if the bleeding might be coming from some fibroids. We do have other drugs that are non-hormonal that can also help with bleeding, and these are something you would talk to your doctor about. The other thing that we can do is use hormones. So things like the birth control pill or the Depo-Provera shot, which is progesterone, these treatments decrease the general hormones affecting the uterus and can therefore control the amount of bleeding a woman has during her period. And this can work for fibroids as well as bleeding without fibroids. So it's one of the first things we try. We also talk about using a progesterone IUD because this goes inside the uterus, releases a small amount of progesterone, and can thin the lining of the uterus and decrease bleeding, whether from fibroids or other reasons. In women who either fail some of these medical treatments I just talked about, or were considering moving to surgery, or considering managing in other ways, there is also a hormonal treatment that we can use that puts people into menopause very briefly in order to try to shrink 
or stabilize the fibroids for a short period of time. This medication is called Lupron, and like I talked about earlier, when women go into menopause, then hormones aren't feeding the fibroids, and we can use this medication to stop the feeding of the fibroids at least for a little while, not for a long-term treatment. Next, I wanna talk about some of the things that we can do that don't involve medications that can treat fibroids or remove them. Now, the longest historical treatment for fibroids is a hysterectomy. So taking out the entire uterus, which of course includes the fibroids. In this day and age, that's not usually necessary unless the fibroids are extremely large or causing an extreme amount of bleeding. Rather, we have developed many approaches don't involve taking out the entire uterus. For instance, if the fibroids are on the outside of the uterus, like I talked about, or in the wall of the uterus and large, we can go in either through an incision in the abdomen or with laparoscopy and remove the fibroid. So let me take a moment to describe what a fibroid looks like or feels like under those circumstances. If you can picture something like a Super Bowl, you know those plastic balls you used to bounce around and bounce crazy around the house when you were a kid? Small, firm, but a little bit squishy balls is what these fibroids feel like. And we, during what we call myomectomies, which is removing the fibroid from the uterus, can shell these out because they're almost like separate structures. For those fibroids that I talked about that might be more on the inside of the uterus, we can go through the cervix and do what we call a hysteroscopic myomectomy. And that means no incisions, but removing the, the fibroid from the inside of the uterus. Now, thanks to technology and how common these fibroids are, people have been developing a lot of treatments for these fibroids that don't involve the invasive surgeries I talked about, or even the minor invasive surgeries I talked about. So for one, if the fibroid is only a little bit next to the lining of the uterus, we can consider an ablation, which means burning the lining of the uterus as well as the edge of that fibroid to stop the bleeding. This can be effective with the right kind of fibroid. We have also developed some other methods that can give us flexibility in treating fibroids that are a problem. So we have developed the ability to treat these fibroids by either cutting off their blood supply and that's called a uterine artery embolization, where a radiologist helps us to go in and put a block in the blood supply that's feeding the fibroid. And when we stop the blood supply, we stop the growth of the fibroid and even can make it get a bit smaller. We have also developed some very new, and these are more experimental techniques, but have some hope of being another tool in our toolbox of treating the fibroids with energy therapies, such as radiofrequency or ultrasound. These therapies have some high hopes of being helpful in the future as a less invasive option of managing fibroids. But again, 
are not necessarily widely available and are still under evaluation. So if I go back to the beginning of my story, I told you I had a fibroid named Henry. And if you've listened to any of this, you may know that why would I even know that if I'm not having any problems, which I'm not. Well, as an OBGYN in a private office, we occasionally need to evaluate new ultrasound machines and we need models to do that. So by accident, Henry was found by a couple of ultrasound technicians who were evaluating new machines. Now my Henry's about three to four centimeters and it's sitting in a place where it doesn't cause any problems. Therefore, I don't need to worry about it or seek any treatment. And thank goodness that's the case for most women when fibroids are found by any kind of imaging. All this leads to the fact that the message of this podcast is that fibroids are incredibly common, if not in the majority of women, and by no means need to be treated just because they exist. Rather, we consider them one of the parts that might be part of your story if we're treating other symptoms or discussing other issues that you have, like increased menstrual bleeding. The other message here is that hysterectomy is not necessarily needed for problematic fibroids, and we are doing better and better at finding ways that can treat a woman's issues without being invasive and tailoring to her needs.